to this video on Mark chapter 7. Now, if I had to give a title, kind of a theme as to what we're going to be looking at in this chapter, it is being able to look at things a little differently than how we might be used to looking at them. Maybe that's a little bit of a long title, but I think that's kind of the, the theme that we'll be seeing is being able to look at things differently and what that might look like. So let's take a look now in Mark chapter 7, and we're actually going to take a look at different things from different perspectives, and we're going to see um, both things and people and how Jesus kind of changes our, our thoughts and how he changes also our sight. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many traditions such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. One more verse. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Okay, so here we start to see this question, and Jesus is about to answer. Before we get into that answer, let's make sure that we understand this question. Let's kind of see this scenario. Now, you know, to, to many of us, I guess we might look and we might kind of be uh, starting to be critical about these Pharisees and some of these these traditions that they already have and you know okay why are they having such a problem with Jesus and, and his followers well let's let's take a step back and let's let's think about these traditions because I find some different ideas that that Christians have about traditions see on the one hand I find and I, I talk to some Christians who kind of look negatively about traditions and think that oh well we don't need to be about the traditions but, you know, I want to remind, if maybe you find yourself in that group, I want to remind that group of Christians that, you know, so much about our faith comes down to these traditions. And these, these traditions are handed down to us for generations and generations. I mean, that's, that's what a, a faithful, godly Christian community should look like, is one that has been doing things for many years. And sometimes we have our, our traditions that come in. But we need to make sure also that we make a distinction between those traditions and what God says. So, you know, sometimes some, some other people, uh, some other groups of Christians, uh, they might look at these traditions and they might not really distinguish all that well between what's a tradition and what is a, a command of God. You know, what does God actually require of us? And then what are some of these traditions that we have? Now, you know, I, I want to, to share with you um, we have a, a bunch of different types of traditions. You know, I mean, traditionally, uh, in uh, in really just churches of Christ around this this nation, you know, we we come into a building, and of course, some things are different right now with uh, with, with COVID and everything. But traditionally, we come into this this uh, building. It's a big building with these uh, lots of pews in there, and we sit inside uh, those pews, and then we have the songbooks, and we sing, and and we go throughout. Our, our worship service like that and you know we kind of have a, an area uh, set up at front um, I don't know if stage is the best way to, to kind of say it but I mean you know it, it's kind of that up, up at the front and we have a podium and and that's where the the speaker or song leader or or a person who is uh, reading scripture or, or, or whatnot things like that that's where those things take place at 
And this is just kind of all of these things are traditions. I think that if anything, this past year has taught us that sometimes, uh, well, I guess it's kind of taught us what are the differences between our traditions and what God actually requires. And without a doubt, we've all had to do things differently this past year. And it makes us look at traditions differently. These Pharisees were not willing to look at this tradition differently at first. And this tradition that we're specifically talking about is washing their hands uh, before they eat. This this is a ceremonial washing. You know, as far as actually having germs and doing it because of that, I mean, they, they had a little bit of an idea of that. But I mean, you know, as far as like what we think of the microscopic germs and stuff, I mean, they had no idea. So they weren't doing it for those reasons. You know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, this passage, uh, even though you could kind of uh, argue and you could say, Oh, well, this is reason why we don't need to wash our hands before we eat. Well, you know, maybe some some kids have learned that story and kind of use this against their their parents. But ultimately, that's not what this passage is talking. This passage is talking about these ceremonial washings that they had. And the reason for that is the Pharisees and then some of these teachers of the law, they wanted to make sure that they were pure. I mean, you know, that's a good intention. A lot of times our traditions start off with good intentions. And many times those traditions are still good to you know, carry over. It's when we start holding other people to our own traditions, like this question here in verse five. Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? You know, why don't you follow our traditions? Well, this is Jesus's answer. And this is something that we need to learn from it too. Now verses six through 13. Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Now, this passage we, we need to understand Jesus's, uh, I mean, there is a critique here, but he's not being too critical about these people too. We, we need to understand that, uh, that there is a, a bit of a balance in the harshness, but also, um, well, it's not just the most severe that he could have said in these. Now, all that being stated, he calls them hypocrites, okay? He calls them hypocrites, and he says some some very important things that we need to take notice of. And we need to make sure that our own traditions don't get in the way uh, of, of us following God, like what their traditions were doing. Because Jesus gave them an example. He's like, hey, if you, you want an example of how your traditions are messing you up, that's what he says here in verses uh, 11. Actually, I guess he backs up into uh, even verse, verse 10. And he gives them a specific, very specific example as to how they're messing up these commands. And he actually says in verse 13 that they are nullifying the word of God by their tradition. We need to make sure that our traditions don't don't come uh, uh, between us and God like that, and that they actually can nullify the word of God. We need to be careful about that. I don't think there's really anything wrong with traditions as long as we recognize them as such, and as long as we practice them, you know, as such, 
But if someone wants to practice something a little different by a slightly different standard of traditions, then we need to understand that's okay. Um, not everybody has the exact same set of traditions, but these traditions can never get in the way of us worshiping and following God. Um, he tells this group here in verse six that they are hypocrites and he's quoting this passage. And he actually says that they worship me in vain. See, we need to make sure that, that we don't let our own traditions cause our worship to be in vain. And in verse eight, he tells that group there that they have let go of the commands of God and they're holding on to human traditions. Let's make sure that we understand what comes from God. And let's make sure that we understand what comes from man. That doesn't mean you have to reject it all. It just means let's make sure that we, we take notice of it. These people and some of these traditions, they needed to let go of them. And maybe you might find that there are some traditions in your own life that you might need to let go of too. And there might be some traditions that we, you know, as a church, we might need to just let go of because they're, they're hurting us. I don't know that I really can think of any right now, but we need to be aware of that, you know, constantly that that could be a possibility. And we need to understand these traditions uh, that come up and what it means to actually be following uh, the word of God. Now, Jesus goes on and he, he talks even more and he teaches us. And this is where he's getting us to see differently. He's already uh, talking about these traditions that we have, but he goes beyond that. Now, verses 14 through 16. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. So in these verses right here, uh, verses 14 and, and 15, what we see is that, that Jesus is making this statement. He's kind of going beyond and he's kind of getting at the, the heart of this thing. And he is also um, kind of telling them that, you know, look, it doesn't matter what you eat or what you don't eat. These, these things aren't as important as to how you are following God and what's going on with your heart here. He's saying that these other things that come into your body, those aren't the things that, def that defile you. So how are we defiled? How are we taken away uh, from God and godly things? Well, Jesus continues and he says in verses 17 through 23 now, after he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so, so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evil come from inside and defile a person. Now we get to the real heart of what's going on. Jesus actually makes this statement that he is declaring all foods clean. And, you know, to, to them, that would have been, you know, really difficult for them to, to process that. You know, for us, okay, that's just kind of, uh, that's, that's part of what we do. You know, that's kind of part of our tradition already. So the fact that Jesus declared all foods clean, it's not a big deal to us. To them, it was. Because they had specific uh, you know, statements about what they were supposed to eat, what they weren't supposed to eat and, and, and everything. And, and they just thought that all these things were defiling them. But Jesus is saying, it's not these things that really defile you. What really defiles you is from what's within you. 
that comes out. What's within a person's heart in verse 21. If you want this list, he, he gives you this list. And all these evils, they come from inside and they are what defile a person. We need to make sure that we check our insides. What, what's, what's going on on the inside of us? Are we pure like we should be? Uh, God has told us that he can purify us and that he can help us with our impurities. But we have to ask him for that. And here Jesus is telling these people that it's not so much about what you eat, but it's about how you act and what comes out of you and these actions that you commit. This is a very different way of looking at the world around us. And it needs to be the way of us as Christians, that we focus on this, that we focus more about the things that we say and how we treat people rather than, you know, kind of on the foods or maybe how we might eat or, or this, that, or the other. And this might look differently, you know, as to what traditions uh, we might uphold. But what it comes down to is, what about our inside? What about our heart? God has told us that he can give us a pure heart, a clean heart, a new heart. We need to simply uh, be following God and accept that heart and accept the ways of God. This is not the only way, though, that Jesus is getting his audiences to look at things differently. He actually is going to somewhat change his, his view a little bit uh, in the, the next few verses as well. Uh, at least that's how the conversation comes to us. Verses 24 through 30. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as he as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. This passage, it's amazing to me because we really sort of see that, that Jesus, at least the way it's portrayed, and, and this is the way I'll, I'll talk about it, Jesus kind of changes his mind right here. Did he really change his mind? Okay, let's, let's recognize Jesus is God, and yes, uh, you know, he, he's aware that he was going to have this conversation and stuff. You know, at least he, he could have been um, aware that he was going to have this conversation. Um, so is he really changing his mind? I don't think that's as much the issue. The thing is, this is how it is written to us. And this is how we get this story that Jesus sees this woman who is in need. I mean, he doesn't deny this need that she has, but the woman was a Greek. Verse 26, the woman was a Greek. Now, Jesus, mostly his, his ministries were specifically just for the Jewish people. And it seems that that's what he's talking about there, about the, the children's bread. You know, should he take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs? You know, it, it, it needs to go and he needs to go and be among the children of God, the children of Israel at first in verse 27. But we also know something about Jesus. You know, we know this and they were kind of learning it at this time. But we know that Jesus's ministry was embracing other nations outside of the nation of Israel. This is one of those passages that tells us that. This passage right here, the, the woman's response to that uh, about you don't take the bread from the children and give it to the dogs. That doesn't make any sense. You've got to let the children have their own bread. The, these children are more important than the dogs. And here in this case, this was 
his his primary concern was to the children of Israel, then the others, you know, maybe later. Uh, of course, you know, Jesus knew how he was going to do these things. But the woman replied in verse 28, that even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And because of this kind of witty response, if you will, Jesus shows uh, shows compassion on her. And, uh, you know, he seems to, to love this response, love this answer, because this is a woman who truly cares. You know, she she truly desires uh, to, to be right with God, as far as we can tell. And she truly is is in this need and she really wants Jesus and knows Jesus can help. And she finds out because of her faith, Jesus did help. And that demon uh, was uh, was sent away. So as far as this this passage goes, it can change our viewpoint about people who are different than us. Uh, she was a Greek and he was saying that, well, he's got to take care of these other people first. But he went ahead and he took care of her because she had this faith. She knew that he could do something about it. And he did. So this is another way in which we can change our viewpoint about things. And there's one uh, final story here uh, that, that's, that's kind of interesting to me, but we have another, another miracle that's taking place. Verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Okay, now, th there's a reason why I stopped right here, because I want to pause and I want us to understand these things. If you go back to, I guess it would be chapter 5. If you go back to chapter 5, you remember that man who, whenever Jesus um, asked what the name of the demon was, he said, uh, my name is Legion, for we are many. And then whenever he cast out that legion of, of demons, what happens is they go into the pigs and the pigs drown. And then the man who is um, cleansed of that, uh, the, that uh, those impure spirits, he wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you go to your hometown. You remember the area where he went. He went into the region of the Decapolis. So Jesus is going back into the same area again. And whenever he goes here, it kind of seems like that man, his testimony was spreading, that he was telling people about Jesus. After all, why else would these people come to him and seeking uh, to be healed? They had heard that he can do it. And they're coming to him to be healed. And this is what we see happen. Now verses 33 through 37. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephetha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is our God. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ doing this miracle right here. So this miracle that takes place, um, yeah, it's it's weird. I think there's a lot of things that's just kind of weird about this. But then again, uh, there's this man who he he's deaf and apparently he can't really speak very well either. 
I mean, how do you kind of communicate uh, with, with someone like that? It's, it's kind of difficult. So maybe that's why Jesus was a little bit more hands-on in this miracle than, than maybe some of the, the ones that he has done before. But he is communicating and wanting this man to recognize this miracle is happening at the hands of Jesus. Jesus is the one uh, who is curing this man. There is no doubt about that at all. Uh, we see that there is this crowd that is gathering. Okay, apparently the man's testimony from before, the, the legion, um, that, that testimony has spread. And now there's a crowd that's following him. So Jesus, he takes this man away and he heals this man. He heals this man of, of these things that are, that are causing him problems. So now this man is going to be able to hear. He's going to be able to speak as well. And how do the people respond? Well, they just kept talking about it. Even though here Jesus, interestingly enough, he does the opposite of what he did before. You know, before he said, don't tell anybody. Uh, I'm sorry. He said the opposite of that last time. He said, go tell everybody. This time he's saying, don't tell everybody. But people went away and they just, they kept talking about it anyways. And the people responded in verse 37, that they were overwhelmed with amazement. And what's that testimony that they say about him? He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. We've been looking in so many different ways as you look throughout Mark's gospel. And we've, we've been asking this question and different characters throughout this, uh, this story have been asking the question, who is Jesus? What, what power does he have? And we've constantly seen with every single chapter, this power uh, of, of our God, this power that Jesus displays in the world. He came here to show us a better way, to teach us to do better, and to give us deliverance, salvation. He does this both in the, the physical realm, but also in the spiritual realm as well. He truly has done everything well. He's able to make the deaf hear and the mute speak. And he's able to do so much more. And as we continue in this study, we will keep seeing more and more things that Jesus is capable of doing and that he's willing to do and to help us in each and every type of situation we might find ourselves in. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus.